Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Before we get into the word today, I do want to make mention about next Sunday because if, if you show up at 9.30, you'll be okay, okay? If you show up at 11, we're going to be almost done, okay? So next Sunday, one service, 10 a.m., uh, it's going to be a, a great day as we have parents and children all together right here uh, ending our VBS week. Listen, even if you're not involved with VBS, we want you here next week because it is going to be such a treat as, as you'll just see some of the things that, that have happened throughout the week of VBS. But I believe it's just going to be a special experience as we just get to worship with our children in the room with us. Parents, we get to set the example of how to worship God next week. Amen. Amen. And so let's do that. Let's show up here at 10 a.m. next Sunday. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of red flags, red flags. When I was a youth pastor, and even before I was a youth pastor, when I was a teenager, we would attend a conference, a youth conference up in Tennessee, in Gatlinburg, in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area called Winterfest. And at, at Winterfest, you would have sessions at night, but during the day you had a lot of free time. So we'd spend a lot of time in Pigeon Forge and the girls would go shopping and things like that. And, and the, the guys, we would all, you know, go to arcades. We would, we would you know, just do whatever we could and, and probably get into some trouble along the way. And, and one of the things that we did was we would ride go-karts. That was, uh, there was a lot of go-kart tracks in the area. And, and so we would go and, and we would start off calm. And then we would get comfortable on the track and, and, we just get a little loose on the track, you know, you just, you, you get out there and you start roughhousing a little bit and having a little bit of fun and banging each other's carts. And when I was a youth pastor, my brother was a youth pastor too. And so he'd get a few of his guys. I'd get a few of my guys. We'd get on the track and it would just turn out to an all out war on, on the go-kart track. And I remember there was this one track that we were on and, and the, the, the worker, bless his heart. I felt so sorry for the guy years later. Not at the moment. I didn't feel sorry for him, but, but I remember we were out there and I saw my brother and I was just like, I'm going to spin him out. I, I, I've got him. And so I went and I, I hit him in the, in, in, in the side on the rear and spun him around. The guy had to come over and, you know, turn him back around, get him going on the go-kart track. And, and so we're still going and, man, we're just ramming each other. I mean, it's reckless driving. It, it is horrible. I mean, now in this frame of mind that I, that I have now, I can see where it probably wasn't safe. But, man, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And, and this, this poor worker, he just finally had enough. He's, he's issuing warnings, you know, slow down, stop hitting, you know, all this kind of stuff. Every time we come around him and, and he's about to pull his hair out. I see him looking at Command Central up in the booth up there going, what do I do? You know, that kind of thing. And then he reaches down and he grabs this, this red flag and he starts doing this. Well, I'm thinking he wants to see blood. Blood's red, right? So let's hit somebody harder, you know? And so I go and I hit my brother, drive him into the wall. And, and, and long story short, we get off the track. I am expelled for life from that track. True story, true story. They told me, don't you ever come back here ever again. I was kicked off. I was only about, probably about 22, 23 years old. Kicked off for life, not allowed to come back. Happens. The truth is, I knew what the red flag meant, and I just completely ignored it. I completely ignored the red flag. Red flags are used in numerous sporting events and activities, 
In racing, a red flag means that drivers must stop on the track or, or in a designated area. And it's not safe for drivers to circle the track because of inclement weather or poor track conditions. And so when they, when they wave the red flag, it means stop. In golf, a red flag means that the pin placement is on the front of the green. So if you're, if you're shooting towards the green, if you're hitting towards the green, the pin placement's going to be on the front. So it's a warning to golfers, don't overshoot the pin. Don't aim for the back of the green, pin's on the front. The most serious of all beach warning flags, the red flag, warns swimmers of serious hazards in the water. One red flag means that the surf is high or there are dangerous currents, or, or it can mean both. And you can still swim if there is one red flag, but you need to use extreme caution and, and go in the water only if you are a strong swimmer. But two red flags, however, means that the water is, is close to swimming as conditions are too dangerous even for the strongest of swimmers. On a sandy beach in Uruguay, there are giant concrete fingers partially submerged in sand reaching up toward the sky. It's called the Monument to the Drowned, and locals just call it La Mano, or the Hand. It was created by a Chilean artist, and, and it's a warning. It was created as a warning to swimmers about the danger of drowning in those currents. The Hand has become a very popular tourist attraction. If you were to Google it, uh, the Hand Uruguay statue, you would find many, many tourists, thousands of tourists have visited this, taking pictures with this. And, and it's massive. It's, it's enormous. But the real purpose remains to warn swimmers of the perils of the sea. At a young age, our parents gave us red flags. They didn't do this to make our lives miserable, though at times it did make our lives miserable, right? But that wasn't the purpose of it. No, they gave us these warnings because they loved us and they wanted to protect us from danger. And so they would say things to us like, like look both ways before you cross the street. You can help me out a little bit if you want to, okay? Or don't talk to strangers, yes. Or chew your food good or you will, there you go. As we get mature and, 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 and older, as we mature and get older, the red flags, they, they change some. Now those red flags are, you know, buckle up, it's the law. But it could also save your life. Don't drink and drive. And today it's don't text and drive. These are red flags. Another red flag for adults is, is live within your means. But the most ignored red flags are those red flags that we receive from God. God is constantly placing red flags in our paths. Today, God will place red flags in your path to keep you from making decisions that are going to alter your life. He's constantly putting red flags in, in our way. And these warning signs, they, they even began at the beginning of humanity. In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve the first red flag warning that we, we've ever heard of, that we've ever known. The red flag warning is, is in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, where it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So it's a red flag warning from God to humanity. 
humanity saying, you can eat from every tree, but don't eat from that one because at the moment you eat from that one, you're going to die. And guess what humanity did? They ate. They ignored the red flag and ate from the forbidden tree anyway. In Exodus chapter 20, God gave us 10 red flags. We call them the 10 commandments. The first four commandments, they deal with, with man's relationship to God. And so there are, are warning signs there of activities that will hinder our relationship with God. That if we do this or don't do that, the first four commandments say that's going to disturb that relationship. The last six commandments with us, uh, they, they offer warnings and, uh, of, of activities that will hinder our relationship with humanity. It's, it's, it's here first and then it's here. It, 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 it's, it's the vertical and then it's the horizontal. And so, what did we do? Humanity continued to often neglect their relationship with God. We, we continue to neglect our relationship with each other. Even in this room right now, we're all guilty of that at some point and at some time. And some of us, more often than others, that we neglect our relationship with God. And then we neglect our relationship with humanity. In the New Testament book of Matthew I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 5 in just a moment. But in the New Testament book of Matthew, we read of the most familiar speech that Jesus gave. And I use that word speech very, very loosely today. But, but, but we, we know this. It's, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And that's not the, the sermon title that Jesus gave it. it. It wasn't like it was printed on the back of the bulletin or, or it, it wasn't on the, the screen. It wasn't projected through the projector, you know, Sermon on the Mount. Here's the big, you know, big sermon for this Sunday. It's not what it was. It wasn't even a sermon series. It's just that Jesus noticed that he had an eager crowd standing before him. And so Jesus took advantage of that moment and he just started talking. He started talking about kingdom principles. And it wasn't kingdom principles like, like what we would think. It wasn't about, about necessarily ruling and reigning. Even though that happens later, it wasn't about that. He was turning the kingdom uh, philosophy upside down. And he was saying, if you want to be great in the kingdom, here's some things that you're going to have to do. And, and he started reteaching humanity about what it means means to be in the kingdom of God and standing before this crowd standing in this particular location he just happened to be near a mountain and Jesus knows my voice will project and I can teach this multitude if I step up on this mountain if I step up on this hill and it became known as the sermon on the mount Matthew chapter 5 starting with verse 1 Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and he starts teaching them about the Beatitudes. He starts saying things like this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And he's just changing the way that they're thinking. And for the next three chapters, Jesus covers an array of topics. He, he talks about us being salt and light. He, he starts talking about anger, lust, divorce. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about giving and praying and fasting. He talks about dealing with anxiety. It was a powerful sermon. 
There's no telling how long this took. You're, you're going to, you know, in, a, in just a few minutes, you're going to get tired of hearing me speak. They were hanging on. They had nowhere else they would rather be. And they're listening as he goes through all these topics. He talks about judging others. He tells them the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then Jesus, he throws down the red flag. He gives them the warning of all warnings. And here's what he says. Matthew chapter 7, we'll read verses 13 and 14. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. I'm going to come back to it in a moment, but I want to read the last two verses here of this chapter so you can kind of see how this was received. Verse 28 says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. I'll let you in to, to my world just for a moment, and then we'll get back to this. But, but that's my prayer. As your pastor, that's my prayer. That's what I want to be guilty of. I don't want to try and, and wow the crowd with my knowledge of Scripture like a scribe. I, I don't want to do that. I want to teach as Jesus did with boldness and teach with authority. And, and knowing that that doesn't always make you popular. But yet I want to preach the principles of God. I want to preach the truth as Jesus taught the truth. And I want to do it with that boldness. Jesus warned these people that the path to destruction, listen to what he says now, the path to destruction is wide and many people are on it. I'm not going to preach very long, but, but I want you to, to get this. Please understand what Jesus says. The path to destruction is wide and many people are on it, but the path to life in his kingdom is narrow and few people find it. I don't know exactly what, what many or few looks like in, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. But what I do know is that we're called to be among those few. And along the way, we're called to take as many people with us as we possibly can. Maybe pulling some out of the many, the many group, pulling them into the few group and taking them with us. But Jesus was very plain that the path to destruction is very wide and many people are on that path. But the path to life in his kingdom is narrow and there's only a few traveling that road. I know that some people look at my family and they look at our lives sometimes and they think that we're boring people. That life just seems so simple and it seems so easy. I'm just going to throw some of my convictions out there. I'm, 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 not, I'm not going to throw this on you, but I'm just saying what looks boring to some people in my life. We don't drink in my home. We don't see the positives of it at all. And, and so why open ourselves up to possible addictions or anything? And so that, that's a conviction for us. So we don't drink. We don't party, at least not the way the world parties. And so it, it, it looks different. Our party is probably not quite as exciting as your party because we're all not drunk, but, but, um, 
in my home, we're not out there chasing the next get-rich-quick scheme or pyramid scheme. And, and nothing against you and your business. Please hear my heart in this. There's no sin in it at all, okay? I, I love the entrepreneur spirit, and I, I, you know, I, I can celebrate that with you. It's just in my home, we trust God is going to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. And that happens through tithing and offerings in our lives. And, and we know that God is going to bless that. And he always has. He's always come through. We've never went without, never went lacking. He's always met the need of our lives. And so... It, it, to some people, that just seems a little boring, and, and, and I get it. I mean, I, I, from the outside looking in, maybe it does seem boring, and, and we like to sit at home a lot. I mean, we do. We like to sit at home. Any homebodies in the room? We, we like to sit at home, and, 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 and we like to spend time together because Mandy and I realized that we only had a, have a short time with our children at home and they're going to have families of their own one day and they're going to be doing their own thing, living in their own homes, having their own careers. And so any moment that, that the four of us can be uh, under, under our roof, uh, we, we want to take advantage of that. And, and we know those days are coming to an end quickly. But, but that's, that's us. That's my family. We like to be at home a lot. And when we're not at home, and this is really boring to some people, we're usually at church. That's what we do. And if we're not at church, we're usually at a church-sponsored activity. And it doesn't mean we don't have a life outside of that. We love doing things. Mandy and I were talking the other day. We're trying to plan a vacation right now, a little getaway before Kendall goes back to college. And so we're working on all that. So we do have other things that we do, you know. But to many people, it just seems pretty simple, pretty easy. But Jesus said that this is the hard way. And few find it. His red flag warning to us is to find the narrow, narrow gate that few people are on and to walk that path. Don't miss that. Don't miss because it will change everything. It'll change your convictions. It'll change the way that you do life when you look at it and you think of his red flag warning to us to find the narrow gate that few people are on and walk that path. If your life resembles what most people's lives look like, you're probably on the wrong path. Because many people are on the wide path. Few are on the narrow path. And so if your life looks like what your unbelieving friends, what their lives looks like, if that's what your life resembles, then you need to make some changes. You've got to heed to the red flag warnings in life and you've got to make some changes. Because few people, Jesus said, few people find this path. And so if you look like the majority, Chances are you're on the wrong path. And listen, God's word is full of red flag warnings for us all throughout his scripture. Listen to these warnings that, that, that he gives us. Matthew 5 and 28, he says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you look at a woman with lust... You've already committed adultery in your heart. But why is it that, that so many men and, and even some women fall victim to pornography? Why does this happen? 
When the red flag warning is right there, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Yet so many people seek relationships and romance with unbelievers or even strong core friendships with unbelievers. And the Bible's warning, the red flag there is don't be yoked together with them. It doesn't mean that we don't love them. It doesn't mean that we don't try and, and lead them to Christ. It means you have to be careful on what your inner circle looks like when it comes to the relationships. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything. The red flag is guard your heart because it's going to affect every aspect of your life. So be careful with what you fall in love with. Proverbs 22 and 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. But the common practice of many Americans is to live on credit and they are stuck in this never-ending cycle of debt and interest rates. Debt and interest rates. Let me consolidate this and get a better interest rate. And when I pay that down enough, then I'm going to go in more debt. And that is the, the red flag warning from God's word that we need to make these changes. And the Bible gives us red flag warning after warning. It talks about the power of the tongue. It talks about pride coming before the fall. It talks about respecting authority and government leaders. I could spend an hour talking about that this morning, about respecting authority and respecting government leaders. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, you have a responsibility. And the red flags are there and God has given them to us, but yet we choose to simply ignore this stuff. Why? Because... We like being on the wide path because that's where the majority is at. But what really concerns me is that we've lost our moral compass. I know a sermon like this today, it feels like there's very little hope. This is one of those sermons that it tweaks us. It challenges us because that's what red flags are supposed to do. And in the United States of America, we have lost our moral compass. You see, we no longer stand on moral absolutes. and We don't even recognize red flags anymore. There, there was a time when people would sin and they knew that they were sinning. They'd come to church on Easter or they'd come to church on, Easter, uh, on Christmas and, and they, would, they would look at you and say, Oh, pastor, I know I'm not living the life. You, you know, you, some of you, you've been there before. Conviction was so heavy on your heart. And you knew when you were not living a, a life that was worthy of Christ. You knew it. And there was a time in, in our nation when, when people as a whole, we felt that. We knew when we were not living life in, in, in a way that would please God. Now people simply don't see their sin as sin. We don't recognize it anymore. Because we have no moral absolutes. It's anything goes. What, whatever makes you happy. Create your own doctrine is what, is what is being preached. And we can't fall victim to that. The red flags are there. Some of you, you remember these days when you used to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
But maybe you've ignored it so long that you've become callous to it. And so here's my prayer. I'm praying that we once again return to feeling that the Holy Spirit convict our lives. In John 16 and 8, Jesus said, And when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's what I know. God still loves humanity. He does. I'm, I'm not on that, that popular bandwagon of, of God's angry with us and, and God is about to rain down destruction. You know, who can figure that out? Who can figure? Here, here's what I know. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That's what I know. That has not changed. I think the true emotion of God in all this, if we could describe God with emotions, is that God's heartbroken over where we're at. That we ignore the red flags that he keeps waving in our path and saying, no, 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 no. Get off the wide path. Get on the narrow path. This is life in the kingdom of God. And God still loves humanity and he is giving us these warning signs to help us, to keep us from making those mistakes. It was a foggy day on March the 13th, 1991. It was the day of one of Britain's worst road accidents. It was tragic. On that day, 10 people died in one accident. 25 people were injured on what is called the M4 motorway. It was a very foggy day, and in the midst of the accident, as cars were piling up on top of each other, there was one man that some people consider a hero. His name was Alan Bateman, and Alan Bateman climbed out of his damaged car after he rear-ended one and was rear-ended from behind. In the middle of all this fog, he climbs out of his damaged car, and, and he begins running down the median, down the middle of the highway. And he's yelling, and he's screaming, and he's telling cars, stop, stop, there's an accident ahead. And people, their windows are up, they're driving by, they can care less. Some people are actually angry at the man, blowing their horn, cussing at him as he's running down the road, trying his best to warn them of impending danger, that this is about to happen. Stop your car now. Don't keep going. It's a red flag. Stop. And some people just chose to ignore it and drove right on into the crash. You and I know that Alan's warnings to the other drivers, they were not just heroic. It was a man that had a love for humanity. He did not want to see someone else suffer in what was already costing people their lives. And Jesus himself saw the crash that was ahead. And he came running towards humanity, saying, stop. Stop. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Stop what you're doing. Repent. Get off of the wide lane. Everybody's on the wide lane. Get in the middle lane. Get in the, in the narrow lane. Get there. That's where you need to be. 
This is where it's safe. This is where it's not safe. Don't look like everybody else. Look like this. The people are few. It's not going to be easy. But get here. Stay here. Red flag warning after red flag warning. But yet humanity just keeps ignoring it. In preparing this week, I began praying. I said, God, I know. I know that there's people that's going to hear this. And it's going to go in one ear and out the other. I spend hours every week trying to prepare a message. And one of the things that breaks my heart is knowing that there's people within the sound of my voice that hear God's warnings. But yet they still stay on the destructive path. Please listen to me. Jesus is running down the median right now, chasing after humanity. Stop. 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 Change this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't follow that crap. Don't do that. Don't do what's popular. Don't do what you think you can do. Don't don't seek your will. Seek my will. Let me guide you. And then he says the Holy Spirit will guide us into that truth. I just believe that right now, some of you are grabbing this. And your life will never be the same. So you have to ask yourself, what red flag warning is he waving in my life right now? I know what he's speaking to me. I know. I'm, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. What is it? What is the red flag warning that he is screaming at you about right now? Because he loves you, he's shouting it out saying, stop. Stop. This is not going to end the way you think that it will end. Stop. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.